We want to be our best, feel our best and live our best. But achieving our best isn't as cut and dry as do fitness, eat good, get results, happy. To find joy, good health, balance and contentment, we need to show valour. This is valour. Valour is courage. Courage to face challenges, to endure, to struggle, to be exposed to all of your vulnerabilities and to face it all without any certainty of the outcome. On the Valor Podcast, we share the methods, strategies, and ideas that can help us all achieve our very best. This is Valor. G'day, guys. Welcome to the Valor Podcast. I am really excited to bring this episode to you guys. It is about the topic of ego. It's my favorite topic. Um, it's, I find it so fascinating. It, it's, yeah, it's great. Um, so much of what happens in the world today is driven by ego or you know, the way marketing works is purely designed to, you know, plead to our egos and stroke our egos and social media and blah, 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 all of that. It's just fascinating. Um, so I'm not going to bang on for longer, but yeah, I think this is a pretty cool episode. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback on it. Shoot me messages, chat to me about it. That's been, I've been really grateful for the feedback and stuff I get from people already so far, um, which is really cool. Strokes my ego in a way. But you know what? Uh, I'll say it now because I didn't say it in the episode because um, it will tie up nicely. The purpose of this podcast as well is not to serve me and my ego. Um, I'm not here sitting in my wardrobe chatting to myself because um, it makes it betters my self-esteem in some way. I'm doing it because I hope it uh, serves others in some way and that's going to be a lot of the theme of this episode. Even in terms of the podcast, the success of this podcast, to be honest, I couldn't give a shit if this goes beyond just the people in the gym and if it serves you guys. I don't need this podcast to, I don't know, become a Australia number one hit. It would just serve my ego and I couldn't give a shit. If it serves you guys and you guys get something from it or you share it to a friend and it helps a friend, then that's a win. You know, Everything that I'm sharing and this is kind of stuff I've learned from other things and I've shared it on. Uh, because I think it's helped me and I think it might help others. So uh, this topic in particular, I think is the most important, most relevant topic of our current modern day technological, socially connected generation. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for you guys to listen. So here it is, Ego. This is Valor. Ego. Ego is by far my favorite topic. I'm so intrigued by ego and us humans and how it drives us and and what it does and how it causes us to make particular decisions and behaviors and things. It's uh, it's an interesting one. It's ego is like our it's what's behind most of our biggest flaws and errors and problems that we make in the world um so yeah i want to bring this to you just sharing thoughts and ideas and bits and pieces about ego and it will certainly serve you in some way um i spent a lot of time reading and researching about this topic um a lot of it through um, ancient Stoicism, um, particularly in the books by Ryan Holiday. His uh, book, Ego is the Enemy, is just unreal. But a lot of the stuff he's written, um, Obstacle is the Way, Stillness is the Key. And there's a daily book that I read called The Daily Stoic uh, as well. And it's, yeah, a lot of it um, does relate to things beyond just the ego. But uh, yeah, in particular, the book Ego is the Enemy is just unreal. So. Probably what started me on, well, actually, I've been interested in this topic. I, I just find it fascinating the way this, the way ego drives people in certain ways and plays to our desires and, you know, causes much problem in the world. Um, I just find it fascinating. And then when I did start reading a lot of these sort of books about it and listening more about and just, yeah, it. It's just fascinating and there's so much we can learn from it that will help shape the way we decide things in the future. It can help shape the way you live your life. Uh, if your life is going to be perceived by yourself as a as a happy, content, enjoyable life or the opposite, 
uh, a not so happy life, a not content life. And a lot of it's to do with perception or perspective, a lot of it's to do with how you see the world or how you see yourself or how you worry about others seeing you. Um, it, it is, it's fascinating. So let's get into it. I want to talk about it. I'm going to first just explain what sort of what ego is and what it's all about and then, yeah, push on from there and give you guys some good good insights, good examples. I'm really excited for this, if you can't tell with my rambling here. Um, it's, yeah, it's going to be a really, really cool episode. Let's go. So what is ego? Ego... Ego drives us to make decisions or take action or behave in particular ways, mainly to serve our own selfish endeavors and gains. So it may, we do it's things to make us feel good or feel good about ourselves or build our own self-esteem. Um, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. We need an ego. We need to have self-esteem. We need to be able to serve that in a particular way. But the choices that we make to serve that are often the problem. Um, and when we make ego-driven decisions, um, we often pick uh, me before we. Um, we. We achieve for our own short-term gain or self-aggrandizing purposes. Um, and we behave as though we need to prove to everybody and to ourselves that we are important or worthy or powerful or special or whatever. And it's this like constant, you know, short-term battle and fix of, we need to prove to others and prove to ourselves that we're we're somewhat, yeah, special in some way. Um, and you could think of you know think of anyone in the world that's got some egotistical issues. You, uh, Donald Trump always comes to my mind at first when in, just in the way that he speaks when he when he talks about things. It's so fascinating. He always when something is in his mind good, like how good is this? He, he repeats it. How good is it? Isn't, isn't this great? Isn't this the greatest thing you've ever seen? It's the it's the best. It's the greatest. And he, he speaks in a way where he wants people to agree with him and he'll say it so in such a way that you go, okay, yeah, sure, Donald. Yeah, um, I agree. And then he goes, oh, and he gets that like, oh, hit of someone agrees. There's that affirmation. I feel good. Um, I was re- reading a book that was a bit about Trump as well because I also found him fascinating because of his ego, I guess. Um, and, and in this book, it's a, uh, written by a political writer, Bob Woodward. It's uh, called Rage. It's, it's pretty interesting if you, if you find Trump and his political years interesting. Um, but he speaks about when he um, met up with um, King John... Is it King John Un now? Yes. Um, and there's photos with him. And he's speaking to, to Bob, showing him the photos like, look, he's smiling no one can make him smile. I'm the only one that can make him smile. He's not smiled. Have you ever seen a photo where he do, where he do, he doesn't smile? I mean, where he where he's yeah. I'm the only one that can make him smile. Me? Can you see that? Look at that. And he just says it like just repeats and repeats because he wants someone to be like, wow, Donald. Like yeah, you're the one that makes him smile. Look how good you are. You are just special. And if you listen to the way that he speaks over and over, it's always. I've done the best. This is the greatest. And he'll say it repeatedly until he gets some affirmations, some some reinforcement from somebody. doesn't matter who it is as long as someone's like, yeah, you've done it. And then, bang, he just feels great about it. Um, Yeah, it it helps him to feel important and worthy and in control and powerful. And if you want to learn more about Donald Trump, yeah, read rage but also read the book that was written by his niece um called too much and never enough it's really interesting because it it explores his history growing up his um his parents and stuff like that and how they sort of shaped him into the peculiar man that he is uh the enabling of his behavior and that's wild it's uh really interesting Ah, sorry copy break um so, yeah, when our, when our ego is driving us, yeah, we often make choices and behaviors that benefit the self short term. And it's often or usually at the expense of others. So, you know, what happens is we don't make long-term gains of happiness or joy or contentment. We don't feel that long-term success uh, because we're driven by these short-term decisions. You know, we feel the need to constantly prove ourselves over and over and over. Um, it's exhausting. 
you know, we take on board, the, the problem is we take on board every criticism and every opposing view as well. So you might have, you know, 100 affirmations that you're great, you've done it, you're awesome, you're special, you're unique. And then bam, there's one person who's not happy with you or doesn't agree with you and that crushes you as well and it really crushes the ego and breaks you down. The problem is, and I'm going to get into this as we go down, a lot of it's to do with selfishness and selflessness. You might be doing all the, all the right things and being a good person and all this, but if you're continually focused on yourself and how you're perceived and what people think of you and even what you think of yourself, you're still living a very egotistical existence and it's not going to change. Um, I'll get into it a bit later, but sort of why I have a bit of a problem with, you know, constant like self-affirmations and fake positivity, you know, like, oh, you are a sparkling sunflower and <laughs> all that bullshit. Um as great as that stuff might be, it's so selfish, it's so self-involved and it's and that's going to be the problem and that's what I'm going to talk about as we get going. But that's ego. Ego drives us to make decisions that support or promote our self-esteem. The issue is that the choices and decisions we make are often these short-term ones. And I'm going to talk about uh, these four kind of hormones that give us good feelings first to get a good understanding of how this works before we move on to a little bit more. So we've got we've got four hormones that release feelings of goodness. Yeah, we have two of them are, I guess, more of a selfish one and two of them are a selfless one. The selfish ones, endorphins and dopamine. 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 <laughs> endorphins and dopamine. And the, our selfless ones are serotonin and oxytocin. Let's talk about the selfish ones first. So endorphins. Endorphins are it's a hormone that comes out to mask pain, helps you push through challenges and struggles. You know, it's it's that you know anyone that trains at a gym or does hard stuff like that. It's it's that you know when you it hurts, but then when you finish, it feels so good. Like it hurts so good. You know, during a marathon or even a ten k, you're like, oh, this is horrible, and then you finish and you go oh, wow, that was really good. I might do it again sometime. <laughs> or a Fran, like the total opposite end of the spectrum, a two-minute, three-minute workout. Fran, it hurts so good though. And then for some reason, we come back to it. That's why CrossFit can be so addictive because it hurts and it's horrible and then you finish it and you're like, sweet, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> that's, that's endorphins. The other one is dopamine. And that's kind of our, our goal-achieving hormone. It's that little quick hit that we get when we receive praise or attention or affirmation or we or we, we get a win it's the stuff that strokes our ego and it and it gives that little short-term self-esteem hit it's that stuff i was talking about with donald trump we're just bang oh that feels so good and then we chase it so there's good stuff obviously like you know through sporting endeavors or working endeavors or artistic endeavors or whatever we want to we want to you know be successful for those things that's great but so often, you know, and we all do this, we all know this to some degree, but, you know, it's of, I don't want to say, yeah, epidemic proportions in the world. Um, we're always trying to get this hit um, and we, we choose the easy options, which is through food or alcohol or gambling or or gossiping or bullying or you know, putting others down or, you know, scrolling through social media um, taking selfies in order to gain likes, um, showing off your tits and booty and abs to get more likes or, you know, biting back at someone on Facebook or, or Instagram and arguing with people and all those things are all in the same category of what they give you and that's that hit of dopamine, that, oh, that quick little good feeling. So, and that's how marketing works these days too. Marketing is purely designed to give us dopamine hits, you know, the food advertising, um, alcohol, you know, gambling, everything, all those things are, are completely designed to give us that hit, make us feel good. When we feel horrible, we want to go and drink and make us feel good or we're going to go get some chocolate. Chocolate, oh, feels so good, gives me that hit. That's how that works. So as much as we can use it for good, there is so much of that other side to it and it gives us that rush but what happens after that rush, we just go back to where we were. It's a short-term thing. It's a selfish, a selfish, good-feeling hormone. On to the selfless ones. 
serotonin is our sort of like our leadership chemical. It gives, you know, this this is we receive this through like giving and receiving respect or an admiration, supporting and praising praising others, you know, showing gratitude to others or something for for how lucky you are, or you're just showing, you know, that gratitude. I'm just going to say gratitude. <laughs> Um, going out of our way for someone else or, you know, that great feeling you get when someone's gone out of their way just, just for you. So it's all to do with care and empathy and giving and selflessness. So the purpose is not for the self, but it's like as a byproduct, we feel good by doing something selfish. I mean, selfless. <laughs> and this is a really important one. This is a long-term one. So, you know, when you go and do something great for somebody, it stays with you for a long time. And we're going to go into this as we go. But a really good example in, in a podcast we did um, a year a year and a half ago now with Martin Heppel of The Resilience Project, He's, he tells this incredible story of being at the airport. At, um, if anyone knows Melbourne Airport, he was at the Melbourne, uh, the, the Qantas end of the airport. And an old man was there and he had lots of bags and a trolley and things. And he hadn't been there for a long time and he hadn't realized that there was the new terminal at the other end. And he was running late and there's a good chance he wasn't going to make it. And Martin just bumped into him and, you know, these conversations sparked up that this man was worried that he wasn't going to make it. And Martin said, get ready, mate. We are going. I'm going to grab your stuff. I'm going to help you. We are going to get down there. So buckle up. Off we go. And he raced down, swerving around people, getting people out of the way. Did all he could. Race and race and race and got in there. The guy, you know, as a result of Martin's kindness... The guy made it. The old man made it to the, to the other end of the airport. Didn't miss his flight. Um, you know, before parting, he gave Martin a big, big cuddle and a big kiss, and just you know was so grateful and thankful. And as a result of that, you know, Martin did it purely for this guy, and that guy felt great. So he got that hit of serotonin. But Martin just felt unreal as well. He's like, wow, like what a great thing. You know, when he left, he called his called his um, wife and told her about it, and she thought it was incredible, and gave him another great feeling. And then then he tells that story at so many of his um, so many of his his um, speeches to groups, and it still makes him feel good that it was just such a great thing, and it made that guy's day or made his week probably because he didn't miss his flight. That's serotonin. What's really important though about that and this is a mistake that gets made and it's all related to our ego and our you know what drives us is if you are doing things for others but you know at the back of your mind you're expecting a return or you're doing it for praise or you're doing it because you know something will come back for you if that's the intent you know it might be a deep-seated intent but if you're you know right in the back right deep down in the gullet somewhere you're you're doing it going you know they're going to owe me now or they'd better pay me back. Or if they don't do something nice for me down the down the track, that's it. Serotonin's not going to work. You're not going to get those good feelings because you're still being selfish. You're still being driven by your ego. It's that's you, You're seeking a dopamine hit. You're not seeking a serotonin hit. Oxytocin, which is the other selfless chemical. It's a love chemical. It's the one that we get from giving and receiving hugs, high fives, fist bumps, Telling someone we love them or that we care about them since with sincerity, though. Um, some people say I love you, but it's after a, after manipulation and fighting and bullshit. So, you know, sincere love and sincere care for others. And, you know, you're giving and receiving quality time and conversations and care amongst people. That's that social connection. Um, that's where oxytocin comes from. So there's our, our four. We've got our two selfish ones, our dopamine and our endorphins, and our two selfless ones, serotonin and oxytocin. We need all of them. They're all important. Um, what's When we're driven by the ego, though, we, we focus more so on the selfish chemicals. So if we want to drop the ego, we want to reduce it or lose it. And we want to care less about what others think of us or what we think of ourselves. We need to stop being so selfish. We need to stop chasing those selfish hits. Our reasons for our choices and behaviors and our internal drive needs to be more often about serving beyond ourselves, about doing things for the purpose of the whole, not just the self. And that's with just about everything and anything. 
you know, of, of course, we still want to have, you know, individual endeavors. We want to hit a squat PB or we want to play an individual sport. And, you know, we want to receive the pleasure from from sex. Like, we want those things. They're good. You know, we want those. And that's fine. But even in those kind of purely selfish behaviors and acts and activities, um, if we're completely driven just by our own selfish drive, then we'll always end up left with sort of a feeling of emptiness. We're not going to be completely whole and content uh, if we aren't focused in some way of serving others. A good example would be someone like someone like Roger Federer. You know, he's the most celebrated, most successful tennis player in the most selfish sport of all time. Um, but he's a happy, content guy and he's not happy and content because he wins all the time and has the most you know championships um he couldn't be the happy content guy that he is if he was purely there to serve himself he wouldn't last as long as he's lasted he wouldn't be on that stage on purely off selfish drive because like we've already explained you know the feelings that we get from selfish uh driven things from selfish success selfish success it's only short term. You only get a short term hit. Um, so, you know, I would be very confident in saying that you know him playing. He doesn't just do it for himself. He does it for the fans that love him. He does it for his family and supporting his family and and the joy it brings them. He does it for the joy of others. Maybe a good example and um, of of the opposite would be like you think of like your Bernard Tomic sort of tennis player who's. You know, he's a jerk. <laughs> he's an ass. He's purely in there just to serve himself. And hey, that might make him happy in the short term. But um, I, I could quite confidently say that, that Federer would see himself as a more content, more happy, more successful person. Tomic, I would say, you know, as much as he loves to argue that, you know, I'm fine, I'm happy, I've got enough money, blah, blah, blah. He's out there to serve himself. He's out there to party. He's out there to, you know, <clears throat> stroke his own ego and uh, he wouldn't be I, I imagine he wouldn't be the person that feels as great about himself as would a Federer because of the what his internal drive is um, in the book Chasing, Chasing Excellence by Ben Bergeron and all the CrossFitters would know um, his long term athlete that he coached he's been coaching and still coaches now is Katrin David's daughter who won a few CrossFit games um, over a couple of years um, there's a really amazing section where he talks about what happened when she won. After she won, there was this like nothingness, this lull, this like, well, what now? Um, you worked and worked and worked towards chasing this goal and then she's reached it and then it feels great. And then it's just this empty hole after it. And they had to go through a lot of like soul searching and, and research and understanding to figure out you know, what can drive her next and what can give her that joy and, and happiness. And, and what he explains and what he talks about is just completely related to to ego and, and to, to what you get out of, you know, serving yourself. And what they explain is that the win, that you know, hitting that goal and achieving that win, it feels fantastic. But like it's it's the ultimate point of, of ego, of you know, of praise, of, of self-affirmation. That's, it's the, it's the peak, but that's the dopamine here. It's a massive rush and that's it. And what he explains is what you must find on your journey towards whatever the success that you're looking towards is the journey is really where it's at. All the struggle and the hard work and the, the character building, all of that is what will create the long-term lasting joy. You know, the, the training sessions with the others, the, the high fives with each other, the, the banter amongst each other, the, the connection that grows between athlete and coach and um, the, the, the reflection and the memory of, you know, all those struggling sessions and, and the, the look of the joy of the people that support you. All of those things is what you found, what, drove her the most the things that at the time you're like well they're the hard bits they're the struggles they're the nasty things they're the things i don't want 
but they're, they're actually the best bits. And if you look at your own success and that over time, and I know, and I think I've spoken about this before, but if you look at, if I look at, you know, my, my personal wins of, you know, winning, winning a premiership in football, winning the premiership was amazing. And that moment, I can remember that moment and I'll remember it forever. But the best, you know, the real joy comes from, you know, the training sessions, doing an hour of single file running um, in the wet, absolutely soaked in the middle of winter, the the writing down the team list as to who we think is going to be, you know, playing on that big day. All those moments are what really brings in the, the true joy and, and happiness from it and, and the high fives and the, the growing with the mates and, and being there for each other. Those are what, you know, those non-selfish moments. And I guess another good footy example would be, I remember this back, I think it must have been maybe maybe under 14s. Um, I had a really good year. I think I was the captain of my team and I played you know, really good football that year and, and I was tipped to be the, the one that would win the best and fairest that year comfortably. And I remember going to the awards day down at Mount Martha Football Oval and we usually have four awards, I think. Fourth best and fairest is most consistent. And I think, I can't remember the names. Might have been Campbell. Campbell Takal was the winner. And then third best and fairest, most determined, goes to Julian. And then runner-up goes to Malcolm. And then it was time for the for the best and fairest. And and I know me and, and my good mate Aiden are both both had a fantastic year and he was looking at me, just nudging at me, going, it's got to be you easily. He's like, obviously, I didn't win. It's got to be you. And I sort of was like, well, it can't not be him, though. Like, he had a phenomenal year. Maybe maybe it's going to be a joint win or something. And then on the announcement of the winner, it was Aiden, just Aiden as the best and fairest. So I missed out. And I was, at the time, obviously, you know, 14-year-old, I was absolutely crushed. I, you know, I, I sort of, at the time, I sort of forgotten why I had played in the first place. Like, I was, I was like, oh, I thought I was, I thought I was in with a chance. Everyone else told me I was in with a chance. It was almost humiliating that it didn't happen. Um, but on reflection now, it's like, well, did you start playing football to win an award? Or did you start playing football for the challenge and the tackles and the goals and the high fives and the and the joy shared between mates and the training sessions and the banter afterwards in the rooms? Like, that's where it all comes from. That's what serves you the best. Getting reaffirmed that you're a good footballer in a plastic award, you know, it's great for that day. It's probably pretty good when you look up it on your shelf here and there. But no one else, no one cares, and eventually you don't care either because they're not the. That's not the memory. You don't go look back on your on your history of your your chosen sport and go that best day ever was the day that I won a selfish award. Absolutely not. Another great example, and it's going to be football again, um, and it's going to be my team. It's going to be my Tigers. Um, <clears throat> the story of Richmond over these last five years, and please don't tune out now because I'm going to talk about Richmond because you hate them. <laughs> but their actual story is phenomenal and it and it all relates to ego and their purpose and who they chose to serve when it came to, you know, turning from a very unsuccessful team to a successful team. So 2016, they had a terrible year. It all fell in a heap. Uh, the captain, Trent Cochin, he felt lost as a captain and and felt like he just couldn't live up to the expectation of what it was and he felt like he had to have all the answers and had to be Mr. Perfect and it wasn't really going that way. Um, and in that off-season, they, they all decided to open up with each other and share their stories and share connection and learn a little bit more that what they're doing and their sport and their game and everything, it's not really about them. It's about it's about their club and their team and the supporters and the joy it brings to everyone else beyond them. The joy that they're going to receive from it, like that's cool, that's them. They're going to they're going to receive that regardless because it's the sport that they chose since they were young kids and they've received that joy forever. That's always going to be there. But to go all the way in in that level of sport, they needed to shift from doing it for themselves to doing it to something beyond them. Um, and then a couple of the books, um, oh crap, I've forgotten what they're called. I might put it in the notes. 
if I remember. <laughs> a couple of books were written about um, the 2017 year and the, the 2019 year of um, Richmond's premierships, most recent premierships. And there's so much great storytelling here that, that talks about, you know, so much reflection and so much focus on how they can improve and how they can become a better team and club by doing things beyond themselves, looking out for someone else. And if they didn't do that, they wouldn't have won. If they weren't there to share the joy and the encouragement of each other and their the staff and the people that help them and the club that supports them, they 100% believe that they wouldn't have the, had the most recent success that they have. And if you do watch football and you watch their games and you listen to the commentators, they talk about how they're out there just having a fun time. They're out there just playing for each other and having a good time. And, and that's the truth of it. And it's followed into other other clubs as well that have taken that on board. You look at the, the clubs now like the Brisbane's and the Port Adelaide's and the Collingwood's and that, and they're now successful because they've kind of taken that on board too. Um, a really amazing little story and it's close to us too is um there's a there's an amazing family and it's a close family friend of ours um who a year and a half ago suffered a really um nasty car accident down in red hill um we'd only seen them a week before up in Ochuca for the, for the southern 80 but then they went home and um as they were just driving down the main road in red hill um someone was driving on the opposite side of the road uh, an international driver so maybe they just forgot what they were doing and they had a head-on collision at top speed um and it was the mum and i think her tw- yeah her twin i think three of the kids were in the car and one of them his name is sam um he he copped it the worst out of all of them and he um is now well now he's in a wheelchair he ended up in the royal children's hospital for I think it was over a year. Um, he was on life support for many months, and it, and it even got to a point where they kind of almost had to make a decision. But luckily, he woke up on his own and and was able to respond. and And he's still in a wheelchair today, and he's still at home, and he doesn't have much movement. But um, it's an incredible story. But these guys, this this family of ours, that our friends, they're massive Richmond fans. Um, and in the story, in the second book. Um, that talks about the 2019 year. It talks about before the 2019 grand final, all of the players had to um, get a rock. As silly as it sounds, they had to get a rock and they had to write, or it might have been a stone, and and write down the name of somebody or, or some people that they're going to play for for this grand final. Um, and they talked about their wives and their families and their friends and all these people that are important to them. Um, and Josh Caddy, um, who yeah, who's now won two premierships with the Tigers and has had a pretty amazing career. Um, over these over this time that Sam and and that were in the hospital, um, many Tigers players came and visited. But but Josh Caddy in particular sparked up this really close relationship with Sam, and um, you know they they consider each other great mates now. Um, and Josh Caddy decided to put Sam's name down on his rock and. Uh, dedicated the the entire game and not just the game the purpose of trying to win this premiership um purely for the benefit of sam and and as a result you know the tigers won the 2019 premiership and and caddy now has sam i I don't know if it's his name or or actual photo of sam but he has sam tattooed on his body as well um it means so much to him and it's um I feel emotional now talking about this. I just love this story. Um, that this club and these people and, and Josh Caddy, they they may not have been successful in winning premierships and all that sort of thing if they put themselves first, if they, you know, stroke to their own ego. Um and, and even you look at, at a at a person, you know, especially a polarizing person like Dustin Martin who's won Brownlow's and Norm Smith medals and all these things. He, you can tell in his body language and when people speak to him, he doesn't go out there and do that for those purposes. He's, it's very grateful and I'm sure he's stoked that he won those you know, accolades. But it's not why he's there. He's there for his mates and he's there for, for the joy of it and for what it brings to, to a lot of people. And again, he wouldn't, maybe wouldn't have received those amazing you know, awards and feats of praise 
if he was doing it for himself. And another last example of putting someone else before yourself is I talk about in terms of like sex. If you know, if if you're a lover that that loves sex and loves what you receive from it, and you know, you primarily focus on getting what you can get out of sex. You want the you know, you want that moment for yourself, or you chase it, or you know, and, and so many in particular men are driven by this, and that's why we have pedophiles or why we have um, people that cheat and do all these things is because their their focus is on the self and what they can get out of it in that short term. Often they they're left lost and dissatisfied, whereas a lover that is focusing on giving first and being there for for the other person first before themselves is the kind of person that enjoys long-term loving and and loving of the highest standard for for a long time and people find that hard to do i think males especially find that hard to do they're so caught up in their own you know what they want to receive selfishly from it that they end up are being left lost and unsatisfied they might lose their partner or lose their wife or you know turn to porn um so often uh, and all it could have taken was maybe a little bit more patience a little bit more giving and you know by being there for someone else and having the purpose of of the other before the self the uh yeah the the enjoyment that you do receive from from something as uh private and and yeah in in a way seen selfish as sex um becomes a selfless act so what I think is so, so important when it comes to ego, and I do this, I kind of, I guess I audit myself every day with almost every decision, especially with decisions that may affect others, um, especially if I choose to go take a selfish route, is when I'm about to do something or behave in a particular way, I ask, why am I doing this? And, and who does it serve? Am I doing this purely for self-service? Am I doing this to serve others as well? And if I make a decision and the behavior is to purely serve the self, I either decide, well, how can I make this about somebody else? How can I serve another person in doing this? Or if it is purely about serving the self, how am I going to feel about that later? Is I, am I just doing this for a short-term game? Am I to just get a little bit of positive affirmation? And if if that's the case, am I going to live with myself beyond that? So even something as small as just snapping back at someone on the comment section in Facebook. And I I really set myself a rule to not do it. But every now and then, the ego gets just, just that little bit of me and I'll, I'll bite. And then as soon as I push send, I go, you fucking idiot. You did that to serve yourself, to stroke your own little ego, to make yourself feel good, to talk someone else down. Does it feel good now? No, it doesn't. You're a dickhead. Um, and <laughs> and that goes on with every decision. Let's go back to that sex. If you're, if you're having sex purely for yourself and you can give a fuck about the other person, how is that going to lead down the track? How is that person going to feel down the track? And how are you going to feel about yourself? Does that make you feel good about yourself? Do you, do you feel good that that's the way that you behaved? Or is there that bit of shame and guilt that sort of sits there as a result? And if you do that with everything and continually audit your decisions and the way that you behave, you find yourself picking the more selfless options and and allowing yourself to do those things and, and allowing the you know the good feelings to come later down the track because they don't come as quickly as the quick selfish dopamine hits. Before I wrap this up, I want to just quick fire, well maybe quick fire, we'll see. <laughs> quick fire, just some a bunch of examples of what a, a I guess ego driven actions um tend to be. I probably explained and chatted and given good examples and stuff here and there but I think um, there's so many in life that we often don't even realize are ego-driven actions so here we go start off with with a simple one pretty much taking any action 
for praise or acknowledgement. So you're talking about your, your Instagram selfies or talking about yourself to people constantly without even realizing that you're never asking someone about themselves. Telling people about your accomplishments and all that you've achieved or sharing every single moment or maybe oversharing every single moment of your life on socials, um, you know, especially when you're doing it because you're you know, wanting responses. Um, you know, when you're the old poor me on social media just to get everyone to say, oh, no, it's okay, that's your ego. You know, all that sort of stuff, stuff that could be done in such a different way that would provide such a better benefit to yourself. You know, socials isn't the best way to get people's sympathy. You know, if you want sympathy, go talk to a friend in private. Uh, I think that's going to be a far more beneficial method than sharing or oversharing every part of your life. Um, it's nice to have mystery. Um, making decisions or, you know, taking any action, making any decisions to impress others, especially when they're actions that you probably wouldn't take to benefit you know yourself or your own joy or happiness you're doing it for the sake of someone else pretending you know um you know just pretending that you know and not sharing when you don't know uh this kind of especially is when you know in your own area of expertise um a good example is uh tim tim allen who i who we opened the gym together with years back um kind of really showed myself that I was someone that didn't like to be exposed to not knowing. Um, and this happened when we were doing our, our level two CrossFit uh, in in Sydney years back. I think it was 2014, 2015, something like that. Um, the course was hard. It was a hard course. But, um, you know, because I was, you'd probably say proud you know, as a coach and thought I you know, knew quite a bit, um, I wasn't the one to put my hand up and ask questions because um, that would show that maybe I didn't know whereas you know you want to look like you do know whereas Tim he couldn't give a shit he just popped his hand up asked questions what about this I don't know this I'm struggling here can you help me with this and didn't feel the slightest bit uncomfortable when these you know really amazing uh, coaches who have a lot of knowledge would correct his movement call out his movement um, you know, correct his knowledge and it was fine for him. And I just was like, wow, that's, that's, that's great. Like that's not ego. That's, that's someone who just, he couldn't give a shit what people thought of him and his knowledge and abilities because he's confident in himself and his own knowledge and abilities. And by doing that, he had this growth mindset where he allowed himself to open and learn. And it's a real kick in the pants to me to be like, sweet, like, Allow yourself to make mistakes. Allow yourself to not be the smartest guy in the room. Um, yeah, it was a really pivotal personal moment um, for me, but yeah, just a really very good example of ego. And I imagine most people do this, especially in their area of expertise. You don't want to look like that you don't know, so you pretend. Don't want to ask questions because we don't want to look like we don't know. Another one. Um, in arguments with friends or relationship breakdowns, um, not taking any responsibility, completely blaming the other person and not even being able to see that there could be some side of it that you may have been responsible for. Um, that's ego. Why is that ego? Because denying responsibility helps confirm to yourself that you're good. You're a good person. You've done the right thing. You know, you've got nothing to be to feel ashamed for. Whereas if you do take responsibility, you're going to feel like, man, I maybe I, I there is shame to feel and it's going to hurt. Um thing is with relationship breakdowns and things, taking responsibility is so important as painful as it is and as horrible as it feels and as nasty it is to to cop that. It helps you work through it with the other person or process it yourself or process it with friends and that when you're talking it out. Um, but denying responsibility is a completely egotistical response to a, a communication breakdown. Um, and, and that often leads to things like blame or you know painting a bad picture of the other person to your kids or using your kids as pawns in these kind of breakdowns. Um, and it's all tied into your ego and your reflection of yourself and denying your part in whatever happened. Uh, gym one, lifting too heavy 
when you know you shouldn't be. So, you know, especially CrossFit gyms always say, oh, I'll check your ego at the door. We all check our ego at the door. Bullshit. Most CrossFitters, or uh, most every single gym, not just CrossFit, every gym, people rock up, lift too heavy, go too hard, do some of the dumbest things, and are very shy, or just won't acknowledge, or very, you know, very unlikely to acknowledge that they probably shouldn't have done that. There'll be some after that go, oh yeah, no, that was pretty dumb by me. But most are like, no, 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 it was fine, it was fine, yeah, it was good. It's like, mate, you just pretty much broke your back. Settle down. It doesn't matter. There's, you don't need to be the strongest lifter. You don't need to keep up with everybody. You need to just do you. If you just do you, you're, you're going to progress in the gym far, far better than worrying about everyone else. Um, another example, speaking, speaking ill of others while placing yourself in a position of self-righteousness or being the perfect one or as though you're some sort of angel or as though you're like... Uh, someone who is faultless at all, you know, has no, no, may, never makes errors. You're just Mr. Perfect or Mrs. Perfect. Um, and what you're doing is you're, you're trying to confirm that by putting someone else down and by confirming that it makes you feel good about yourself. It strokes the ego. Um, you know, it's gossiping, obviously, gossiping and talking shit of other people makes you feel good about yourself. Um, and this is why celebrities and sports people and stuff just cop it you know, every little action. They do one little action, like if a sports person in their off-season is somehow seen doing an illicit drug, all of a sudden this picture is painted that they're the most criminal, horrific person in the world, yet most of the people that have crucified them can probably can't deny that they've done an illicit drug once or twice here and there. Yeah, you know, people just love to bring others down to confirm their own insecurities and uh, make themselves feel better about themselves. Uh, this would be a funny one. This is, but this is true though. Um, actions like this could, you know, relate to any sort of thing similar to this. But I'm, I'm going to talk about Christmas lights, battling for the best Christmas lights display in the neighbourhood. Um, because you want to be the best and you want to beat everyone else. That's ego as opposed to doing it for the actual enjoyment of creating something really cool and to give back um, through the enjoyment of the neighbourhood coming and seeing your display. Um, When you do it for the enjoyment of the neighbourhood and making them happy, you in turn get a little bit of, you know, good, selfless, selfish, selfless, selfless, selfish, bit of both uh, enjoyment in return. But if you're doing it because you just want to be the best... um, and and you sort of talk down on other people's Christmas. It sounds ridiculous, but it's true. This is what people do. Um, you talk down other people's displays and and battle it out. Then that's all ego driven. That's not going to give you the enjoyment from this sort of project, as opposed to doing it for the purpose of other people's enjoyment. Um, last example. Well, this is the last one. When you people do this all the time in sport, when you when you pick on and you fault and you hate on the successful teams, like people now currently hate the Richmond Tigers, but people used to hate Hawthorne, or people hate the New England Patriots and hate all these ultra successful teams. Um, there's nothing actually wrong with those teams. You're doing it because you want to feel better about yourself and your own team's failures, um, and that's. Again, once again, just trying to stroke your ego in order to feel better about yourself or cure your own insecurities. Really, no matter what it is, whatever these strange little selfish decisions are that you make, they're always for the purpose of kind of covering your own insecurity or reaffirming your own importance. And that's ego. And it's it's wasted, wasted effort. Wasted effort. Just... Be yourself, be you, do something for others. All that really matters is that you are, you know, if you're good and honest and selfless and, and true to yourself, you know, if someone still can't be convinced of your worthiness or, you know, then they're probably not of any importance to you. You're not the problem. I think at the end of the day, if you can say, you know, I acted with honesty and I acted with integrity and I was kind and I was selfless and I was a good and I was a good person and I was a good character and I gave my best, 
then then you are worthy and you are successful and you are i guess in a way or working towards being without ego then nothing else matters your perception of yourself is good if you've behaved in that way then you've got no argument for calling yourself unworthy or you know or needing the praise and an affirmation of others because you've acted in those those ways and that's that's the crux of it that's that's where it that's where we live a happy content life an egoless life and you know the the world so many people in the world live with these struggles of feeling unworthy and like they need people to praise them and they need other people to tell them that they are good and all that um and or they need themselves you know just find these ridiculous ways to convince yourself that you are good enough or worthy enough or important or powerful or whatever selfish bullshit that we all need um by dropping the selfish act by just thinking less about it by stop thinking about how do i how does this reflect me how does this other people think of me as a result of this how do i think of myself blah 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 if you just think of just doing things for others and being a good you know we all know what good is we all know what a good person is just be a good person and then you don't have to worry about yourself or you know what what others think of you because you were good that, that's it I'm starting to sound like a preacher and it probably could probably hit people in a way when you know you are trying to make yourself better in some way um and to say i'm trying to be good i'm trying to be good but i still i guess in a way don't feel like i'm good enough or whatever in a way and don't take this in a in a in a way of a put down in a way you're still being selfish you're still focusing on the self focus on someone else focus on things beyond yourself the ego will go and you'll feel better i'm going to finish just with a few quotes from the book ego is the enemy because it's unreal and i would just love to leave with these here we go one of them <clears throat> impressing people is utterly different from being truly impressive I think that reflects exactly off what I was just talking about. Let's let's do things for the purpose of doing them because they're good and because you know they they are of integrity and they're great, rather than doing them to impress others. Second one: most successful people are people you've never heard of. They want it that way. It keeps them sober. It keeps them doing their jobs, and I think that's great. I think that's. I, I don't want to summarize. I'll just repeat it. Most successful people are people you've never heard of. They want it that way. It keeps them sober. It helps them do their jobs. And last one, a nice little sobering one for the egotistical who feels like they are trying to prove. Well, I guess, you know what? Those that, you know, look, you look at the Trump kind of character who's behaves in a way that he feels like he's above everybody. Um... And you go, oh, he thinks he is better than everybody and he behaves as he's above everybody. The people that behave in that way are actually the people that are trying to prove to themselves that exact thing over and over and over because of their lack of self-esteem and their doubt in themselves. And this last quote by Ryan Holiday, The Ego is the Enemy book, you're not as good as you think you are. You don't have it all figured out. Stay focused, do better. That's ego. I love it. Please shoot me your feedback um, and thoughts. I could go on about this topic in so much more depth, um, but I want to leave it there. That's an intro to ego. I hope you loved it. Uh, Yeah. See you next week. Thank you very much for listening to the Valor Fitness Nutrition Mind podcast. My name is Stuart Cunningham. If you enjoyed the episode, please send us a like, send us a comment, share it with a mate, give us a rating on the iTunes or whatever you're listening to this on. Every little bit of support helps. Looking forward to bringing you some more stuff next week.